0: Turn with me, please, this morning to the uh, book of 2 Peter and then also 2 Timothy. We'll go to 2 Peter 3 and we'll go to 2 Timothy 2. 2 Peter 3, 2 Timothy 2. Now, if you're uh, new to the church and new with us, obviously you can't cover everything. Every Sunday or every Friday or every time we get together, we'll be on a subject for a length of time and then we'll go to the next one that we believe the Lord directs us to. But if you've got questions about issues and areas and subjects, there likely is some input and answers of things we've already taught in times past, and it's available to you at no charge. Uh, somebody was asking some questions about faith and healing this week, and And uh, I was reminded we talked in depth on that in a series called Questions About Healing. Uh, So questions about faith, questions about how to be led, questions about protection, questions about finances. And I mean, there's just uh, all kind of uh, material available, both in the word supply and one of the quickest ways, go online and look through the, the list of stuff there. And if there's something that you're dealing with and looking for, it could be uh, something that could minister to you real strong. Find some answers and help. So don't just wait until maybe sometime we're going to teach on it in the future. Uh, You can't cover, how many of you can't cover all subjects at once? And so, whatever it is you're dealing with, though, there very well could be some things already available. So look at that and and, um, faith. In every area must be developed. Just because you got strong faith in this area doesn't mean you automatically have strong faith in all areas. Your faith has to be fed in that area to be strong in that area. So find, if you're having some challenges in an area, you need to feed your faith in that area. Find the things that do that for you. And you can tell something that feeds your faith. After you get through watching it and listening to it, you feel stronger than before you did. You feel more encouraged, and find the things that do that for you. And faith is the victory that overcomes the world. In Second Peter the third chapter, and the ninth verse, Second Peter three nine says, "The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but he's long suffering." To usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, uh, when I've been with you on Sundays, we've talked about the series that we're calling "The Way Out," and the way out is repentance. And you see that in this verse that uh, God's not willing that any should perish. What's the alternative to perishing? but that all should come to repentance. Now, not everybody views repentance in a positive light. I mean, if you said, we're going to have a, a a seminar on prosperity, well, you might get a good turnout. You say, we're going to have a seminar on repentance. Maybe not the same turnout. And yet, and yet, if we really understood it, And what's available to us through this and what a gift it is, we would want to know everything we could find out about it because it is the way out when there is no other way out. And so uh, let me remind you what we've already looked at. We've already covered a lot of ground on this, and this is your first time to be with us again. Go back and get the previous sessions. Go online and get them. It won't cost you anything. And around here we have a saying, no cost means no no excuse. (laughs) For not getting it, not knowing it, not having it. God's not willing that what? Any should perish. Now that just contradicts a lot of preaching. Doesn't it? Because there's a whole lot of folks, a whole lot of ministers that have stood up in pulpits and said some form or another that people were being destroyed, people were perishing from poverty or lack or... Uh, emotional distress or family problems or physical problems and people uh, have said that some way or another that was God's will that they were being taught things and it was developing piety in them and, and it's just not true I said it's just not true destruction is not from God perishing is not God's will how many is it his will to perish do we believe this verse Said out loud, our good God, our good God is not willing, is not willing that, any that any should perish. True or not true? true. How many believe this is absolutely true? Yes. Then anybody that's perishing, that's happening contrary to the perfect will of God. Yes. We know it's happening, but we need to acknowledge it's happening contrary to the perfect will and plan of God. And all of the tragedy and atrocity that's going on on this earth right now is not because it was God's will and plan. God made everything the way he wanted it in the beginning. Have you, ever, have you read the Genesis account? And everything that he made was very good. Right? And all that happened afterwards as a result of sin and the curse was not an improvement. On God's original design. No, no. And it was not a perfection to his plan. No, all of the terrible things going on down here right now are because man has a free will. And man has chosen contrary to God's will and plan. And we see the result of all the the aftermath of curse and sin and destruction. What's God's will again? Tell me out loud. He's not willing that what? Any should perish, and how do we avoid this perishing? Yes. But that all should come to repentance. Second Timothy the second chapter. Second Timothy the second chapter and the uh, 23rd verse, I believe it is, 223. 2 Timothy 223. He said, Foolish and unlearned questions avoid knowing they do gender strife. Did you know there's a lot of things you should not get involved in? Did you know there were people Jesus wouldn't even talk to? He wouldn't even answer them. Wouldn't even talk to them. And you and I need to be aware of situations that are only going to be strife, And embroiled and entangled in difficulty. And when everybody gets through fussing and hollering and yelling at each other. They're going to be worse off than before they started. And if we were wise, we wouldn't even get involved in it. Foolish and unlearned questions avoid. Knowing they do gender strife. Instead of trying to answer every question. We need to realize some questions are just foolish and need to be ignored. That'll set you free. You don't have to answer all questions. You don't have to figure out every situation. There's lots of times things come up and I remind myself of how glad I am. I'm not God. <laughs> I think, hey, this is not my issue. He's the judge. I don't have to figure this out. I don't have to make a judgment call on this. I don't have to. It's freedom. It's freedom. It's freedom. I've had people ask me before. I've had people try to corner me and say, Now, Brother Keith, what do you think about this? And I've said, I don't. (laughs) They said, I'm sure you have an opinion. I said, I refuse to. I was tempted to have one. (laughs) And I cast it down. (laughs) There's a lot of things I don't need to have anything to say about. It's none of my business. I'm not their judge. It's nothing to me. That's between them and God. I need to stay out of it. I don't need to have an opinion about it. Amen. Foolish and unlearned questions do what? Avoid, Avoid them. Knowing that they gender, they start strife. They call strife. Keep going. The servant of the Lord must not strive. Are you a servant of the Lord? Yes. But be gentle unto all men apt to teach and patient. <laughs> I know one time a fellow... He was really—he didn't like something I taught, and uh, and he's letting me know about it. He said, "I don't like you. I don't like what you teach. I don't believe in it. I don't like." I, 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 and he went on and and I just smiled. and I said, "You just don't know me." <laughs> I said, "If you knew me, you'd like me." <laughs> I think that made him more mad than all the other stuff. <laughs> but just because somebody else is having a meltdown, does that mean you have to have one? Or can you be gentle? Can you? Even when other people are trying to be mean, you don't have to do that. Now, it's tempting. When people get upset and they say ugly things, man, it pulls on your flesh to respond in like kind. But it's a mistake. I said it's a mistake. Don't let it pull you in. Keep going. In meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them what? Repentance. Give them repentance. Repentance is a gift. A gift from God. Said out loud. Repentance is a gift from God. It's a gift from God. Repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Verse 26. And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. The Lord gave me a phrase some years ago and reminded me of it again last night. When we repent, the devil loses his grip. <laughs> Can you see that here? So the, this is a picture of individuals who were trapped by the devil. They were trapped believing and saying lies. They were trapped In pride and unwillingness to be corrected and to change. And they were trapped, captive. But God gave them the gift of the opportunity and the heart to repent. And they acknowledged the truth. And they said, Lord, I've been wrong. You're right. (laughs) This is wrong. I repent. I ask you to forgive me. I want to get it right. And just like that, the devil lost his grip on them. Come on, can you see that? The grace of God flowed into them, and the devil lost his grip, and they're free. Nobody had to pray for them. Nobody had to counsel them. They recovered themselves out of the grip and snare and trap of the devil because they were willing to repent. Somebody say, "Thank thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Go with me to the book of Luke, please. The book of Luke. And the 13th chapter. Luke 13 and verse 1. Luke 13, 1, There were present at that season some that told Jesus of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. A brutal thing. These individuals were at the temple offering their animal sacrifices. And for some reason, Pilate sent armed men who slayed the people just like the animals were being slain. And they were present and they told him that. Verse 2, Jesus said, Suppose you that these Galileans were sinners above all Galileans because they suffered such things. This deals with one of the big questions that you hear people kick around. Why do these kind of tragedies happen to some people and not to others? Why do terrible things happen to what some people might say, good people or just average people? uh, And they're saying, Jesus said, do you think these were worse people? than everybody else living there that didn't happen to but it happened to them because they were worse verse 3 I tell you no Jesus said no it didn't happen to them because they were worse people but what's the thing to emphasize but except you repent you shall all likewise perish is there an alternative to perishing being destroyed. What is it? Repentance. 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 Verse uh, 4. He said or, this was like us watching the news today and we saw a building collapsed. Everybody in the area knew about it. The tower of Siloam fell and it fell on 18 people that happened to be there when it collapsed and it killed them. He said, do you think that those 18 that the tower fell on were worse people? They were worse sinners than everybody else that lived around there because the tower fell on them and killed them that day? Verse 5, what did Jesus say? No. I tell you no. But except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Now, what I've seen is that so many times people are asking the wrong questions. When it comes to tragedies happening. And. People are attributing things to God. That God didn't do. Big. Big mistake. And. Tell me again. Who is it God's will. To perish. So when you see people perishing. And people being destroyed. What's one of the first things you should understand. That wasn't the will of God. You should be very clear on that fact. That wasn't the will of God. Now what you also shouldn't do. Is go into feeling superior. Because it didn't happen to you. Because the only reason it hadn't happened to you. (laughs) Is the mercy of God. And the earth is a very very dangerous place to be. Man there's. There's enough germs in the air. There's enough. Toxins and everything you eat and drink. There's there's crime. There's all kind of stuff all over the place to kill you a thousand times over every day. Right? And the fact that you uh, made another day, made another week, wasn't because you're smarter or better than everybody else. It was the mercy of God. And if you don't get judged and destroyed, having made mistakes like other people too, it would be because of one reason. Because you repented. You repented and you judged yourself and you didn't get judged. Not because you'd done everything perfectly, but because of grace and mercy, because you repented. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. What we see in situation after situation, well, let's look at this again. Is he saying that similar destruction could be prevented if people repented? He is. Prevent means to get ahead of, to deal with beforehand. And that's what we need. That's what repentance is. Repentance is dealing with it before it gets to the point of judgment and destruction. If you judge yourself, what'll happen? You're not going to be judged. But if you refuse to repent and it goes far enough and long enough, judgment and destruction. The master's revealing that had those individuals repented, those tragedies could have been prevented, could have been avoided. And you and I, Instead of being afraid that that kind of thing could happen to us at any time, we can be confident of protection if we will repent when something comes up. Amen. Just that simple. When something comes up, we miss it, we get off, whatever the case might be, when we know it in our heart, if you want to stay safe, if you want to stay protected, what do you need to do? Repent immediately. Don't wait, get right, judge yourself, and stay underneath the shadow of the wings of the Almighty, right? Stay protected. Uh, He's our shepherd, and if you're a smart little sheep, you will stay very close to the shepherd because it's the independent sheep, (laughs) the hard-headed, stubborn sheep. That won't listen. The shepherd goes left, but no, they have to go right. That trail afar off. How many know what happens to the sheep that separate from the the flock and independently go their own way away from the leadership and protection of the good shepherd? That's wolf snacks, (laughs) (laughs)
1: leopard
0: lunch. The devil is seeking whom he may devour. He may not devour everybody. Isn't that good news? Well whom may he devour? Independent. Hard headed. Won't repent. Sheep. That's the ones he can devour. <laughs> How about you? i am decided I don't want to be wolf snacks. I, I, I don't want to be destroyed. I want to be Spared. Yes. Huh? You too? I, I want to be kept yes. year after year. Yes. I want to run my whole race, yes. finish my whole course. Yes. Now, go with me, if you would, to the book of Job. Can any good thing come out of Job? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes there can. Job is a tremendous writing, inspired of God. One of the oldest books in the Bible, we're told, one of the most ancient, and there is so much light, so much revelation and truth, looking at their situations and the darkness they were in, and pointing the way to redemption and Jesus. It's a story of restoration. Restoration that was based on repentance I gave you the punchline ahead of time so that you'll know what we're looking for as we go through it now the book of Job is 42 chapters and I don't think we could get through it chapter by chapter this morning you want to? Huh? I'm looking around You know, uh, certainly preachers can go too long, but uh, a lot of folks just don't have a proper concept about the Word of God. Who said a 20 minute sermonette was how it's supposed to be? Where'd that come from? We see times when Jesus preached all day, we see times when Paul preached all night long. All night long. Hmm? And it wasn't so amazing that people couldn't drift in their attention. The one young man fell asleep right in Paul's message and fell out the window. Remember that? So it wasn't just electrifying. (laughs) And yet it was God. How many believe what was happening that night was God? God was talking to him through Paul. And it was precious because some things were going to happen soon where they wouldn't get to see him. Right on. Wouldn't get to be around him. I don't know today how much I'll see you in the future. Yeah. Are you me? Right? Amen. These are precious times. Yes. And uh, certainly, you know, anybody could blabber on about nothing and, and just waste time and wear everybody out. But if the Spirit of God's in it, and light and life is coming through it. We ought not be in a rush to get away from that. Now, uh, in the book of Job, the first chapter, we see where we actually get a behind the scenes look at the angels of God and the enemy, the adversary coming and God saying to uh The adversary, have you considered my servant Job as a perfect man, upright man? And some people misunderstood that. Uh, The original Young's literal, for instance, says, have you set your heart on my servant Job? God didn't bring Job up to the devil and invite him to attack him. No, 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 no. He's just like always. He's ahead of the devil. And he knew that the enemy had his sights set on Job. If there's one thing the devil hates, worse than a righteous man, it's a rich righteous man. Oh, 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 he can't stand a wealthy, righteous person. He can't stand that. And that's why you'll hear so much, even today, about negative, about anything that has to do with wealth and righteousness, because the devil does not want people putting those two together. He wants them to think, no, if you serve God, you're just going to be broke the rest of your life. You don't want that. The party will be over. No more fun. Forget about it. You won't have anything. You won't be able to do anything. I've had men sit across the desk from me years ago and cry and say, I know I'm called to the ministry, but they were, they were, they were trying to do things in business and wasn't being successful at it. And this man said, I know I'm supposed to be in the ministry, but then he, he kind of clenched his jaw. He said, but I, uh, my dad was in the ministry and we were broke all our life and I'm not going to live like that. I'm not going to live like that. See, he believed a lie. He believed he couldn't serve God and have anything. And the devil wants the whole world to believe that. But Job. Was rich. He was by today's standard. A billionaire. He was the richest man in the east. Job. A man of God. A righteous man. So they don't even sound right to people today does it? A righteous billionaire. People are going. No, no, no. No no, it's harder for a camel to get through the eye of a needle than a rich man to get to heaven. those that trust in riches read the whole chapter, please it's not money's not the root of all evil the love of money and you can be full of that and not have ten dollars if you can love money and not have any, then you could have some and not love it. You could, possible, but anyway, without going into a lot of detail, the enemy got judgment against him and attacked him, and his uh, stuff was stolen, his herds were stolen, his kids were killed in a storm, what, what people today would call a freak windstorm. And from looking at the scriptures, we know the devil was behind it. wonder if the devil's been behind any other windstorms and tornadoes. Certainly. And yet people, insurance, call it acts of God. (laughs) Why not call it what the Bible said? Acts of the devil. Oh, the devil does not want anybody to know he's behind these things. He'd prefer you to believe there is no devil. And, of course, blame everything on God so you don't like God and you stay away from God because you're scared of him and believe he's bad and all this other kind of stuff. But anyway, afterwards, the you know, Job did not curse God. And so uh, the enemy comes against him again. Did you know Revelation says that the adversary is the accuser of the brethren? He's always trying to accuse you and me of something and get some kind of a judgment against us. He's a sorry cuss, isn't he? I'm not going to shed one tear when he gets what's coming to him. How how about y'all? Oh, he's evil. And uh, he said, skin for skin, everything a man has, he'll give for his life. And, and the Bible said Satan went forth and smote Job with sore boils from the crown of his head to the sole of his foot. Who, who did that to, to Job? The yes. Bible said specifically yes. Satan did. Yes. Wonder if Satan's made people sick since then. Yes. Wonder if it's happened again. Yes. The Bible said uh, in Acts 10.38 how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. The Bible says everybody Jesus healed and ministered to. Their sickness was satanic oppression. Not God put it on them to teach them something. Satanic oppression. How many think we ought to believe the Bible? Instead of religious ideas that men made up. Well. Um, after this happened. Job 1. Are you there? And verse 20. Job 1.20 after all this happened, Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down on the ground and worshiped. He said, naked came I out of my mother's womb. Naked shall I return. The Lord gave. The Lord's taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Now just, we'll talk about this later as we go. In uh, the second chapter and the tenth verse... His wife encouraged him to curse God and die, which is exactly what the devil told God he would do. So we know Job's wife is being a mouthpiece for the devil. She's saying exactly what the devil said and trying to influence him through his wife. And Job said, you speak like a a foolish woman. She'll receive good at the hand of God and, and not receive evil. Now, I know that don't sound right to you, and there's some things that's not right about it, but this is all the light Job had. That's right. And he didn't... If you walk in in all the light you have, that's all you can do. And God accepts you if you're sincere with what you know. And uh, the Bible said, after that happened, Job didn't sin with his lips. Job's three friends heard of all this evil that had come upon him. And they came, everyone, from his own place. Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, Zophar the Naamathite, for they made an appointment together to come mourn with him and comfort him. And when they lifted up their eyes afar off and knew him not, they didn't recognize him. They lifted their voice and wept, and they rent every one his mantle and sprinkled dust on their heads toward heaven, and they sat down with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, and none spoke a word to him, for they saw that his grief was very great. We'll see later on that he didn't enjoy their company so much. But right now, they came, what did they come to do? They came to comfort him and during a whole week and didn't say a word. And he knows they're there. He knows why they're there. He knows they care. And so they are, they are trying to be and probably are a strength to him at this point. Until they started talking. (laughs) So many times, in situations like these, people don't need us preaching to them. They just need to know that we care. There's a time to talk about these things, and there's a time not to talk about them. And if we're led of the Spirit, we'll know what time that is. Now, uh, in the third chapter, About verse 11 here, 311, Job throughout this chapter several times says this first word. Why? Why? Why did this happen to me? Why didn't I just die from the womb? Basically, he's cursing the day he was born. To see all this tragedy. He's lost his kids. He's lost all his great wealth. He's lost his health. He's in pain. His wife telling him. Why don't you just curse God and die. His friends. And acquaintances. Are scared of him. And as we'll begin to find out. Everybody's convinced. He has done something really bad. For all this to happen to him. Well, you think about the supernatural scope of his problems. How does all this happen to one man in a few days? Basically, two days. One day, all this happened. I mean, yeah, maybe one or two bad things happened, but all of it at once? Everybody's going, this is judgment. (laughs) This is surprising too because we thought Job was an okay guy. We thought Job was a great guy. But look at this. I mean, everything has happened to him except lightning striking him. And so he's saying, why? 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 And uh, the fourth chapter and the seventh verse, Eliphaz Says, remember, I pray you, verse 7, whoever perished being innocent, or where were the righteous cut off? Even as I've seen, they that plow iniquity and sow wickedness reap the same. By the blast of God they perish, and by the breath of his nostrils are they consumed. What's he saying? This doesn't happen to good people. (laughs) This kind of stuff. This This is the blast of God. You've been judged. And job, in verse 14 of chapter six, excuse me, chapter six, verse 14, he said to him that is afflicted, pity should be showed from his friend, but he that forsakes the fear of the Almighty. But now, verse 21, skip down to verse 21, "Now you're nothing. You see my casting down and are afraid." Did I say bring something to me? Give me a reward? Give me some money? Did I say deliver me? Did I ask you to redeem me? He said, uh, basically he's saying, you, you're you not helping me at all. You're judging me. And what he, what he responded in saying was, I am not evil. I am not guilty. I have done nothing wrong. And the more he talked about it, the more adamant he got And he said, I'm righteous. I'm righteous and I don't deserve any of this. Now, he began to tell God the same thing in the 10th chapter. The 10th chapter in the first verse, he said, my soul is weary of life. I'll leave my complaint upon myself. I'll speak in the bitterness of my soul. He's hurting. He's hurting. Isn't he? He's hurting emotionally. He's hurting physically. And enough pain. Can cause you to. See things differently. And. uh, We need to discern that. In trying to be a comfort to people. A lot of times. Even though they may need to hear something. It's not what they. Need. What are they able and willing to receive we need to depend on the Holy Spirit to show us that. Verse 2, he said, I will say to God, don't condemn me. Show me where you contend with me. (laughs) It's pretty bold. (laughs) Is it good to you that you should oppress, that you should despise the work of your hands and shine on the counsel of the wicked? Have you eyes of flesh? Do you see like a man sees? Verse 6, do you inquire after my iniquity and search after my sin? You know I'm not wicked. (laughs) He's telling God this. (laughs) (laughs) And there's none can deliver out of your hand. That upset his friends even more. They said, say what? How are you going to talk to God like that? And they actually begin to imagine some things that maybe he had done. They said, You probably did this. And you probably did it. And I'm sure you did this. Accusations. Said out loud Our job, Our job is, not is not judging. Judging is not my job. Man, this is an important lesson to learn. Judging is not my job. They kept trying to explain to him what was going on. He said uh, he told God, he said, You know I'm not wicked. You know I'm not. And basically he began to tell God that he wasn't fair. He began to tell God, God, this is not right. What you've done here is unjust. It's unfair. And his three friends says, no, you're the one messed up. (laughs) And finally, after all of their explanations and and their insisting that good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people. And I don't care what you said, Joe, but you've got to have done a lot of bad stuff because look here. And what has happened to you, it's obvious to everybody. The hammer has fallen on you and you've done evil. Just fess up. Admit it. He said it's not true. It is not true. He said what happened is God has missed it. (laughs) Now I'm paraphrasing. But get in the book and study it for yourself and see. See if this is not what's going on. And finally he says to them in chapter 12. Concerning what they're saying. Verse 1 I, I like this. Job answered and said, no doubt, but you are the people and wisdom shall die with you. (laughs) He said, oh yeah, you're it. When you die, wisdom will be over. (laughs) 13th chapter, verse 4, he said, you're all forgers of lies. You're physicians of no value. Oh, that you would all together hold your peace. If you'd just shut up, it would be your wisdom. And the 16th chapter, after they told him some more, Job answered and said, I have heard many such things. Miserable comforters are you all. (laughs) Miserable comforters. They came to comfort and they stayed to torment. Let's make up our mind we're not going to do that. I know some years ago, Phyllis and I were in a service where a a man and his wife ministered in a marvelous way. He uh, preached, and then she gave some words of knowledge and things after he preached. And the ministries complemented each other so wonderfully, and and it was just God. And some great and good things came out of it. Well, we were blessed by it. We didn't know them very well, but just acquainted. Sometime after that, his wife got sick and went home to be with the Lord eventually, after months of being sick. And I, I came by a restaurant and I saw him at a table. I was by myself and he was by himself. And uh, I recognized him. I came by and spoke to him and uh, told him that I heard about his wife's home going and had been praying for him and believing for comfort and strength for him and, he said, won't you sit down? And I said, okay, just me and him and sat down. And so I could tell he was still quite sad. And um, he began to tell me, he said, you know, there were some young preachers that uh, came by and saw me. And he said, uh, you know, we, we were never that strong talking about faith and healing things. And we saw healings and knew God healed. They were a, a little bit different camp from some of us. And he said, they, they told me if my wife had had enough faith, she wouldn't have died. He said, that didn't help me, Brother Keith. I said, I'm sure it didn't. I'm sorry. You know, that's the kind of thing we're seeing here. I, maybe they meant well. But you need to think, how's this going to help them? Come on, are y'all listening? Yes. How's this going to help them? And you know, unless you've been through something yourself and overcome it yourself, Come on. Right. ain't no need you telling us what you would do and could do. Yes. Right? Yes. I, I, Phyllis and I have dealt with these kind of things for decades now. And, and uh, I fully understand. There's a whole lot of situations. It gets a lot easier to die. And go to be with the Lord than to fight and stay. You get tired. It And it's a challenge. And it, it takes strength and faith to overcome where most people don't. And if somebody doesn't, it, it's not time to judge. And you've never done it yourself either. Come on, are y'all listening to me, saints? We, we need to beware of trying to talk principles and trying to talk hard line. Sure. God can do anything. Nothing is too hard for him. But we don't receive according to what God can do. We receive according to our faith. And our faith is at all different levels. Right? I used to work in the healing school there. Brother Kenneth Hagin's ministry. And so we were dealing with people on a daily basis. That were pronounced Terminal. Incurable. And we're not against the doctors. You understand that? I believe a man or woman can be called to the medical profession to help people just like I'm called to preach. I believe a man or woman can be graced of God, anointed of God to minister to people physically in these areas. Now that don't mean they can fix everything. And it don't mean that you should look to them and put all of your faith in a man right but certainly thank god they can help you with something natural too but uh there was a man that came to us and he was in the last stages of the disease we were seeing people healed and uh he stayed with us i think two or three weeks and uh they left and later on i got a a letter from him actually yeah it was from him and his wife And she told me at the beginning of it that he had gone home to be with the Lord. But she said, he wanted me to communicate this to you. And so here's his words in the letter. And he uh, he had said, uh, Brother Keith, if you're getting this, then I'm shouting the victory with the Lord. And uh, I want you to know, he said, that I know that healing is God's perfect will. And I know that long life is God's perfect will. And uh, I, he said, I, I just, well, I won't go into all the other things he said, but he said, uh, you know, obviously, if you're getting this, then I'm going home to be with the Lord. He said, but I, want you to, I don't want you to feel bad. He said, I want you to know that those weeks I was there with you were some of the most precious of my life. And if I didn't get everything physically, I want you to know this. I got back to God. And I'm closer to Him than I've ever been. And my joy and peace in Him is stronger than it's ever been. That's victory. Come on, are you listening to me, saints? That's victory. And to fight the good fight, irrespective of the outcome, is honorable. It's your beats just throwing up your hands and quitting. Not even trying, doesn't it? And so the thing is, in situations like this, you never want to be judgmental, and you never want to tell people so adamantly what they have to do or should do, and you've never done it yourself. You, you've not overcome something like that yourself. And so this was happening with Job and his three friends. And that's why he tells them, he said, you, you guys are miserable comforters. <laughs> you, Not good. And in the 13th chapter of Job, turn there please. 13th chapter of Job and the 15th verse. Job makes this statement that is quoted, parts of it are quoted sometimes. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Now you really, this whole book of Job, these especially these uh, first 39 chapters or so, not everything these people said about God is right. God himself said a number of things they said about him was wrong. So you've got to watch about taking half a verse of something Eliphaz said and building a, a doctrine on it. When God himself said later on in the book that what, everything Eliphaz said wasn't right. Not everything he said was right. Notice the rest of the verse. Job says. I'm going to trust him. Even if he kills me. But. I will maintain my own ways before him. (laughs) Some of the first part of that is good. The last part of that. Not good. (laughs) The Young's literal translation says, lo, he does slay me, I wait not, only my ways unto his face I argue. The NIV says, I will surely defend my ways to his face. Really? At this point, Job is unrepentant. He is not willing to repent. And the more his friends have talked to him about this. The angrier he's got. And of course you've got to remember. He's hurting. He's hurting on the inside. Because of his kids. And his relationships. And his his whole life is gone basically. He's hurting on the outside. He's got grievous boils. And sores all over his body. He's in a very bad way. And I want you to notice he nor his friends who are considered the wisest men in the world at that time cannot find a way out of this. Can they? They can't find the answers. They can't tell him how to fix it. He can't tell them why. They can't tell him why. I know some years ago I, in reading this. For some reason I was drawn to this as a teenager and read some of it and didn't understand it. But then years later, reading it and studying it again after going to Bible school, I saw it. It just, it dawned on me because I had written at the top of the, the, the caption there, the big question why? You know, why did this happen? Why do bad things happen to good people? That same kind of deal. And eventually I I reached up there and I marked through it. And I said, the question is not why. That's not the issue. That's why folks can't get the answer. Because they're asking the wrong questions. You know what the issue is? The issue is what you do when you don't know why. That's the issue because that's when your faith in the character of God is challenged and tried and that's when you'll be tempted to accuse him of being unfair or being unfaithful and it'll never be so that he was unfair or he was unfaithful. Let me tell you what will get you through the toughest places in life. Through the worst this earth and life could ever dish out to you. He was experiencing some of the worst. You know what will get you through the worst? You look up through your tears. You look up through the confusion. You look up through all the junk and stuff that people are trying to explain and tell to you. And you look up and you say, Lord, I don't understand why. I don't understand why, why not. How, how come? But I know this. You're a good God. You're a good God. I'll believe it to my last breath and beyond. You're a faithful God. You're a fair God. Come on, are you listening? You're a just and a good God. And I'm convinced when I understand the rest of this, I'll proclaim the Lord is righteous. The Lord was good. The Lord was faithful. I heard a man of God years ago say, just a simple thing. He's reading some things in the Old Testament that people labor about and go, well, I don't understand that. How could God do that? How could God not do that? How could God say this? He said, here's something real simple. Just always stay on God's side. (laughs) Including when you don't understand. Why did God do that? I don't know, but I'm on his side. He's right, whatever he did. Well, I just can't understand that. Well, that just means you don't understand something. That doesn't make him not good. Doesn't make him unfair. Because when you find out the rest of the story, you will know. He was and is righteous and just and fair and good and kind. Do you believe it, saints? You don't have to understand. And that's when your faith is tried the most, when you don't understand it. Why? Answering the question why is not the most important thing. The issue is what you do when you don't know why. That's what shows your heart and whether you really trust him or not. Now, they finished God. uh, Let me sum it up. As far as they were concerned, God judged Job. Now, you know what you'll find conspicuous for its absence? They didn't say one word about the devil. Because they didn't know about him. They were unaware. Besides that. They didn't have authority in the name of Jesus like us. That's the other side of the cross. There was so much they didn't know. Didn't understand. And so Job's three friends judged Job. And Job Judged God of being unfair. And if you skip to the 32nd chapter, we'll answer the question who's right? <laughs> Are y'all okay? Yeah. Yeah. Now, you might not have been planning on getting all this this morning, but Come on. you know we don't just play around over here, don't you? I mean, we. Right. Are there answers here? Yeah. Serious answers. Can you see what a dilemma they're in? Can they find a way out of this mess? They don't see any way out. They have said everything they know. They've done everything they know. Job nor his three friends. They see no way out of this. Is there a way out? Come on, help me. Is there a way out? Is there a way when there seems to be no way? Is there a way? Is there a way? When the way that seemed to be right to the man and he finds out it's not right and it didn't work, is there still a way? There is a way. In Job 32, verse 1, so these three men ceased to answer Job. Why? Because he was righteous in his own eyes. Now, Job is a good man. God himself says he's a good man. But I don't care who you are. You don't come to God and tell him he's wrong (laughs) and hold up your righteousness because our righteousness apart from his is not enough. It's unacceptable. And uh, verse 2. Then was kindled the wrath of Elihu. Son of Barakal the Buzite of the kindred of Ram. And you'll find that God spoke through Elihu. Now this is not one of the three friends. This is somebody else. This is another guy. His wrath was kindled. Against Job because Job justified himself rather than God. Is that the same as repenting? No, No, it's not. Job was stubborn about this. He resisted God. He didn't yield to God. And days went by and pain and agony. His three friends judged him. They didn't help. Also against his three friends was his wrath kindled because they found no answer and yet had condemned Job. They should have been quiet. Yes. They didn't have the answer and they should have admitted they didn't know. So many times friends we should just acknowledge I don't know. Yeah. I don't see it. I've had people come to me all upset and go well, why did this happen or why didn't this happen and a lot of times I just have to say, I don't know. I've, I've had people say, well, you just don't want to tell me. I said, no, I actually just don't know. <laughs> you shouldn't be shocked. You, I know you already know. There's a lot of things I don't know. <laughs> and uh, he began to, God began to say some things to Elihu. But then it's interesting that, uh, go to chapter 40. That God's saying some things through Elihu, but it's like He didn't want to talk through somebody anymore. He's like, stand aside. I'm going to say this myself. (laughs) (laughs) And God spoke directly. Whew. Somebody say, "Glory Glory to God. Chapter 40, verse 1. Well, let me see. Back up to 38. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. God himself spoke. Now put yourself in the situation. He's been hearing these guys go back and forth. For the previous days and all the stuff. About why this happened to Job. And uh, verse 2 He says, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Who is this talking and don't know anything? wonder if that's happened again since then. (laughs) Acting like they got answers and are clueless. Acting like they're wise and don't know how to start. He said, Gird up now your loins like a man, for I will demand of you, and answer thou me. Now what you'll see here and in some of these other next couple of chapters, when he says that, that's because that's what Job said. Job said, I wish he would he would appoint me a time and come to me or let me come to him and and tell me what I did wrong, and I will present my case to him, and I'll tell him and show him my righteousness. Just because you're a good man don't mean you can't mess up yeah. and get some wrong ideas and make some mistakes. Yeah. And uh, you know, you got to remember how long ago this was. He couldn't say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. That wasn't available to him. Yeah. All he's got that he knows of is him trying to do right and be, be right, be a good man. And he was. God said he was. But uh God quotes his words back to him. He says, you want to talk to me? You want to stand up like a man and and, and chat? Okay, here I am. Have a few questions I want you to answer first. Know if we can talk or not. (laughs) Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Where were you at then? (laughs) And verse 5 and 6 and 7 and 8, when I made this and when I did this, and where were you when this happened? And do you understand how this works? And do you understand uh, what caused this and where this came from and why this works this way and who does this and why this happens and and why that happens? How many understand Job's answer to every one of these questions was what? I I don't know. I don't know. I always wondered about that. No, I no clue I don't know I don't know and verse 39 it keeps going do you know this can you do this do you understand this how about this (laughs) chapter 40 moreover the Lord answered Job and said shall he that contends with the Almighty instruct him he that reproves God because Job had reproved God He had corrected God. He said, God, this is not right. This is not right. What you let happen to me. You you have have missed it here. (laughs) He said, uh, let him answer it. Now, I want you to notice something. Through all of this, chapters of God talking to Job, not one time did he tell him, this is why this happened to you. He told him everything except that. Why? Because the issue is not just why it happened. The issue is what you do when you don't know why. That's when we find out if you really trust him or not, if you have faith or not. But is there a way out? No matter what happened, is there a way out? We're about to see it. We're about. We see. Right. Come on. Are you Are you reading? Yes. Yeah. Job answered the Lord and said. What do you think he's going to say now? What do you think? What what did he say? Though he slay me, I'll trust him. Yet, I will maintain my own ways. I will defend my position before him. You think that's still there? Huh? He said, look, I am vile. What shall I answer you? I will lay my hand on my mouth. I'm putting my hand on my mouth right now. I've spoken once, but I'm not going to answer. Yeah, I I opened my mouth twice, but no more. Then answered the Lord, Job, out of the whirlwind. He said, gird up your loins now like a man. I'll demand of you and declare thou to me. Because that's what Job told him. Will you disannul my judgment? Will you condemn me that you may be righteous? Did you know there are many that are judging God today? Many Very foolishly, very ignorantly accusing God of being mean, of being unfair, of being unjust, of being unfaithful. And all it shows is that they never really believed in his character to start with. They never really trusted him to start with. If you really trust somebody, you really believe in somebody, you don't start accusing them, the first problem comes up. Has anybody made up their mind? What are we going to do? We're going to stay on God's side. No matter what happens or doesn't happen. And people want to accuse him and rail. And how come this? And why that? You can say, well, I don't know, but I'm with him. (laughs) I'm with him. (laughs) Well, there's no way he could be right. He is right. Well, there's no way that could be fair. Whatever he does is fair. I assure you. Right? Right? He's never let anybody down. He never will. He's faithful. He's good. He's fair. He's just. And if anybody needs to change here, it's not him. If anybody needs to repent around here, it's not him. It's not him. He didn't miss it. Somebody say, I trust him. I trust him. Lord, I trust you. I'll trust you always. He went on for another couple of chapters. Asking Job some real basic questions about creation. And the idea is if you can't answer these basic things about spelling and addition. How are you going to talk to me about trigonometry and calculus? You don't understand the basics of this. How are you going to challenge me in my judgments? Chapter 42, are you ready? For the finale. The grand finale. <laughs> Had Job and his three friends painted themselves into a dark corner? Had they? For chapter after chapter, the best of their wisdom couldn't answer it, couldn't figure it out, and most importantly, couldn't get it fixed. Our job's not to fix the blame, we want to see the problem get fixed. Yeah. We're not interested in somebody feeling bad. What if they did miss it? We want to see people come out. And if they did miss it, it's not our place to judge. Say it out loud. I'm not a judge. I'm a comforter. I'm 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 not an accuser. I'm an encourager. I'm not an accuser. I'm an encourager. Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do everything and no thought can be withholden from you. Who is he that hides counsel without knowledge? He said, that's me. I uttered what I understood not. Things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Here I beseech thee and I'll speak. I'll demand of you and declare thou to me. That's what he had said to God. He said, I, I said it and it was Ignorant. I heard of you by the hearing of my ear, but now my eye sees you. I've come in direct contact with you. Wherefore, I abhor myself and what? And what? Repent in dust and ashes. Was he a good man? God said he was a good good man, upright man, just man, complete man. And if you read the whole account, he had done all kinds of things. For people hurting and in need. and I mean he was there. Decade after decade. Doing good things. But. Just because you've been a good person. Done good things. Doesn't mean you never need to repent. And you get some wrong idea. And you get in this mode. That you're you're right. You don't care what anybody says. And you're not bending. And you're not yielding. That's how you can get in a dark place. Where you can't see any way out. And your friends can't help you out. And you can't get out. But, in spite of all the tragedy, the total financial loss, the total physical problems, he's at death's door. You read the account, I mean, he's practically dead. He's about dead, physically. And yet, when he did this, everything began to change. Oh, come on, are you awake this morning? When he did this, everything. Begin to turn around. Glory to God. Read it, read it, read it. After these things, the Lord spoke to Job. The Lord said to Eliphaz, the Temanite, My wrath's kindled against you and against your two friends, for you've not spoken of me the thing that's right as my servant Job has. Therefore, take to you seven bulls and rams and go to my servant Job and basically get him to pray for you. <laughs> Did you know you'll see this again and again? The very people you judge, you'll have to go to for help. You will see this. (laughs) So just make it light on yourself first time around. (laughs) And so they did. And the Lord accepted Job. And verse 10, and the Lord turned the captivity of Job. Oh, somebody say glory to God. When he prayed for his friends, also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Well, he was a billionaire before. Then came there to him all his brethren and all his sisters and all that had been of his acquaintance. And they ate bread with him. They bemoaned him and comforted him over all the evil the Lord had brought upon him. We know it was allowed. Every man also gave him a piece of money. And gave him an earring of gold. And the Lord blessed the latter end of Job. More than his beginning. For he had fourteen thousand sheep. And six thousand camels. And a thousand yoke of oxen. And a thousand she asses. Seven sons and three daughters. And says his daughters. Verse 15. uh, No daughters were so fair as his. So beautiful. Verse 16. After this lived Job a hundred and forty years. After this. Somebody say, just like poor old Job. (laughs) Well, historians tell us they think maybe the whole episode of Job happened in less than a year's time. Maybe eight or nine months. He had a bad year. (laughs) He had a hard year. He had a rough year. Come on, how did he get out of it? Saints, tell me how he got out of it. When he quit being so hard-headed. And he repented, everything broke. Everything changed when he humbled his heart. And he said, God, you're right. No matter what I see or don't see, you are right. And I repent. And forgive me for being so stupid and hard-headed. You are right. And, And he prayed for his friend. He didn't hold a grudge against them. He prayed for them, and things broke, 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 broke. His financial drought broke. His physical sicknesses broke off of him. Come on, are you listening? His relationships broke and were restored. The bondages that were on them broke. Can you see it? And he lived 140 years. That's after this. And saw his sons and his sons' sons, even four generations. And then Job died being old and full of days. He saw it all. He did it all. Praise Hallelujah. Stand on your feet, everybody. Glory to God. Oh, somebody say thank you, Lord. Let's lift up our hands. Lift up our heart to him. Oh, lift up your hands. Lift up your your voice. Say thank you, Lord. Lord, you are so good. You are so gracious. You are so kind. You are so wonderful. Said out loud, Father God, we are convinced, fully persuaded. No matter what we see, don't see, understand, or don't understand, you are a good God. You are a fair God. You are the faithful God. And I will trust, you and, I will trust you, and you. and not doubt you. I will cling to you. Cling to you. And not accuse you, not accuse you. No matter what. No matter what. Hallelujah. hallelujah. Say out loud. Father forgive us. Father, forgive, us. forgive me. Forgive me. For, any times. For any times. I've been stubborn. I've been stubborn. Unwilling, unwilling. Unrepentant. Are slow to repent
1: repent.
0: and any of those times times, that it was hard hard. I know that was not you that was not not your will will. and I thank you you that you'll always bring us out out. when we humble ourselves ourselves before before you oh thank you Lord just lift your hands and voices and praise him some more Lift your voice. Lift your hands. Oh, Father, we worship you. Oh, Father, we give you glory. We adore you. We magnify your holy name. Your wonderful name. Your good, good name. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.